Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. It's a precious artifact. At the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C., there's a display of several articles that President Abraham Lincoln had on him on the night of his assassination. One of the articles is a very worn-out newspaper clipping which celebrated his accomplishments as president. It read, Abe Lincoln is one of the greatest statesmen of all time. Mr. Lincoln carried that with him. So accomplished, he needed regular positive reinforcement. If left unchallenged, negative thinking, especially about ourselves, can be so debilitating. We all need encouragement. However old we are, whatever position we hold, whatever stature we have, as human beings, we're wired with the innate desire and need for encouragement. The friendship between two of history's greatest authors, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, is well known and celebrated. The supportive attitude of Mr. Lewis spurred Tolkien on to create what has become a literary masterpiece read by millions. More importantly, the Bible tells us that our God is the God of encouragement. We read in Romans 15:5, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So, encouragement. It's what we're all needing, and it's what we're talking about here on Lucas on Life. Encouragement brings strength. I love Facebook. I hate Facebook. I vacillate between the two. I read a moving real-life story of courage or faith, and I'm inspired, encouraged. Real-life stories can do that. But then I ponder the photographs that some people post, capturing images of this morning's breakfast. What a beautiful slice of bacon that was, or their new fluorescent lime green socks, or the nasty bruise they got on their left calf while playing hockey yesterday, and then I feel bored and indifferent. Worse still, I scan the accumulated rants of some Christians who are engaged in a furious row over some minor apostrophe in Leviticus. My eyes run over the capital letters and the exclamation marks, and I feel soul-sinking despair. It must be tiresome being right all the time, as these bellowing, blustering believers seem to think they are. It's exhausting reading their smug homilies. But it's even more debilitating when I'm personally on the receiving end of a jolly good telling off. Some years ago, while I was at Minehead speaking at Spring Harvest, I enjoyed being awakened every morning by screaming seagulls. They began their squawking serenade at 5 a.m., I made the mistake of posting this tongue-in-cheek Facebook update. Jeff would like to leave a little something for the noisy seagulls, like a hand grenade. Within minutes, my Facebook page was alive with tut-tutting messages from irate Christians who wanted me to know that Jesus loves seagulls as much as he loves me. An interesting thought that I don't have time to discuss now, but I wonder if he has the same level of love for the chicken that graced my lunch today. I got a mass rebuking for what was intended to be just a mildly humorous comment. Media makes anyone who does anything publicly an easy target for sniping. Just this week, I got a sarcastic email from someone because they thought I was mocking a plummy accent during one of my preaches. They accused me of being racist, 
said I should be more kind than accepting, and informed me that they'd never listen to or read my stuff again, which didn't seem terribly kind or accepting. I can therefore safely mention the incident now, with little risk of offending them further. They won't be listening. Some years ago, one of my Facebook posts created an even greater stir than that, another throwaway comment that created mass confusion. I mentioned in one post that I was planning to change my name. People were bewildered, understandably. Was this chap formerly known as Jeff following in the footsteps of the artist formerly known as Prince? What was I doing? The answer was simple. I was changing my name to Grandad, and within days, our first grandson Stanley was born and made our world a far brighter place. But my little ruse got me thinking. In biblical history, the changing of someone's name was usually loaded with significance. Abraham became Abraham, the father of nations. Jesus gave a tempestuous fisherman named Simon a name change, and he became Peter, the rock. Saul, vicious persecutor of early Christians, became apostolic preacher Paul. And in the early days of the infant church, a chap formerly known as Joseph was dubbed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, and he really lived up to his name. It was this Joseph Barnabas name change that really caught my attention, because I'd like a name just like his. How amazing to be named after a primary trait like encouragement. If I was named after my primary physical trait, I'd probably be dubbed something like Lucas, who has a nose that can see around corners. I'm equally humbled and challenged by the thought of ever being named after my primary personality trait. Joseph, Barnabas, must have been encouraged himself by being named a son of encouragement. But being an encourager is surely not just a matter of temperament or disposition, even though there are some who seem more naturally inclined to cheer others on. For most of us, encouragement comes from discipline. We have to choose to cheer. It's too easy to drift into cynicism or even march around as a stern critic. How swiftly we can become picky, awkward, hard to please people, rarely carrying a smile. But encouragement really costs little or nothing to give, and it does more than anything money can buy. A word of sincere encouragement, because insincere encouragement given for false motives is called flattery and totally devalues the currency of encouragement, it can send the clouds packing and energize the weary with the strength to walk another mile. I'm so grateful that as I travel in ministry, so many people are incredibly kind and encouraging to me. It's always a delight to hear that a sermon or a book or a broadcast here on Premier Christian Radio has been helpful to someone on their journey. Some people preface their gracious words of encouragement by saying, Jeff, you probably hear this all the time, but I just wanted to say thank you. Truthfully, it never stops being helpful to know that in some small way, someone's life has been impacted by what we do. Recently, a lady took my breath away with her words of kindness and appreciation. You matter to a lot of people, Jeff, she said. You're very precious to us. We feel like you're on our side. Now, I know I risk sounding pretentious in even sharing her comment with you as listeners, but I was just deeply moved by her carefully chosen words. She let me know that it was not just my ministry that mattered to her, but my life meant something, and she told me why it meant something. And then encouragement is especially welcome in the darker seasons of life. 
Forgive the personal disclosure, but the past five or six years has been a bit wintry for me personally. My mother finally succumbed to dementia, and I had the honour and challenge of leading her memorial service. And then, in a short space of time, Kay and I lost a number of dear friends, three in tragic accidents, two to long-term illnesses. And then, of course, for all of us, there's been the pandemic and then the latest global challenges. Emotionally, I have felt exhausted and sometimes a little hopeless. Now, that's where I'm supposed to say that through it all, God has felt very close and has strengthened me for the journey. If I'm honest, it hasn't always felt that way. Sometimes I've just felt alone and at times abandoned. Perhaps you know the feeling. And if these words, this admission, seems shocking, the psalmist certainly experienced the desolation of feeling that God had relocated somewhere far, far away and hadn't bothered to leave a forwarding address. And then, of course, our world currently seems to be overdosing on bad news with the terrifying headlines and tragic situation that continues to unfold between Russia and Ukraine. It is all desperately sad, and we need to be attentive and be prayerful, but we can binge overload on news headlines. Personally, and this is just my own particular way of dealing with this, I'm trying to limit my exposure to the news, visit the headlines once or twice a day, and then pray. It's a way of keeping my own heart focused. Sometimes we have sleepless nights of crying out to God for some evidence of his ongoing care in a world where there is such random pain. But then recently, an email arrived filled with yet more kind encouragement, quoting a verse that has been a lifeline for me, my grace is sufficient for you. We can read this as, I am with you, that is all you need. That statement, that promise is what God so often says when his people are struggling. He doesn't promise a carefree life without struggle or doubt or trouble. And to be honest, his comfort often comes more as a hint or a whisper rather than a shout. But then faith, faith says we are not alone and that we shall never ever be alone again. We are not destined to trek through life unaccompanied. Whatever we feel or don't feel, faith declares this, God is with us. But then, more often than not, the comfort and encouragement of God comes through people, because we're not called to stand on our own two feet. The common suggestion that true strength is proved when we live self-sufficient, independent lives, because we can't count on anyone else but ourselves, that is a false and foolish notion, as the life and death of Jesus shows. In the Garden of Gethsemane, at his lowest moments, he called for his friends to be with him. So, who is there in our lives who could use a phone call, a handwritten note, an email, a kind word from us today? With a random thoughtful act of kindness, we could go ahead and make someone's day. Our words might transform a wintry, dreary day into an unexpected springtime. And then, it's not just about the words that we say but we can also encourage by receiving the words of others, by listening to them. As we listen intentionally to others, we let them know that they are vital, important, they matter. It's true, sometimes we say it best when we say nothing at all and just 
listen. Encouragement. Let's return to the theme that God is the God of encouragement. And when we encourage, we become like him. Recently, two dear long-term friends and colleagues in ministry, Paul and Priscilla Reed, were staying in our home. Paul shared with us how one of their grandchildren reported that God had spoken to him when he was out in the garden. Playing on the trampoline, he said, I just heard God for the first time. His parents were obviously intrigued and asked him what God had said. Well, he said, I was singing some songs to God, and suddenly, as I was jumping up and down, God just said, bravo. Now, perhaps we're tempted to dismiss this as childhood fantasy, but let's again remember that we love and serve a God of grace and encouragement. He's the one who cheers us on, even in the most mundane activities and acts of service. This is the God who tears the heavens apart to affirm his son as baptism takes place. This is the God who runs with us and yet cheers us on as we run the race. This is the God who wants us to know that he's interested in the smallest details of life, including, it seems, bouncing on the trampoline. He's the one who says, well done, bravo. So let's go ahead and make someone's day. Catch them doing something right. Search out the soul who's usually taken for granted. Let's thank the ticket collector on the train, smile at the traffic warden, write a note to that Sunday school teacher who has told the big story to countless squirming six-year-olds for decades. Some of them are in their 30s now, but perhaps few have come back to thank her. Yes, God is an encourager. Let's be like him. See you next time. Lucas on Life.